while eating at the Heart Attack Grill. There's actually a there's actually a diner in Las Vegas named the Heart Attack Grill, and a fella actually did have a heart attack while he was eating there. Um, the menu at that place, you have your choice of burgers. You have the single, double, triple, or quadruple bypass burger. That, that's the options at the bypass, at the, uh, heart attack grill. The, the ad for that restaurant says that it is taste worth dying for. Alright? And, they also have a sign in the restaurant that says that if you weigh more than 350 pounds, you can eat for free. Now think about that. There's a lot of joking about some pretty serious things there, isn't it? In fact, nutritionists uh, are aghast at what they see. First of all, they're upset about the menu. They're upset about what's being served there because obviously it's not real healthy food. In fact, it can lead to a heart attack. And the guy who had one while he was eating there is testimony to that fact. But what nutritionists are also upset about is that they're just joking about this. They're making light of what is a serious matter. These are very serious health matters. And this heart attack grill is just making fun of that, joking about it. Well, I think we could probably acknowledge their point. They probably have a good point to make there. Today, we want to take that concept and apply it to spiritual things. We want to talk today about people who joke about the serious warnings that are found in the Word of God. And so our lesson this morning has to do with joking about the warnings, because the Word of God certainly has very many important and necessary warnings for us, but a lot of people are just laughing about it and ignoring the, those dangers. That's our study this morning. Thanks for being here. Uh, add words of welcome to those that Dale already mentioned. We're glad that you're here. We appreciate you very much. We have a beautiful Lord's Day. Uh, there's not anybody who could say today that the weather kept me from coming. Uh, we have a beautiful day to be together and certainly are blessed in many ways, not just the weather, but in many other ways. We're blessed by God, and it's a great privilege to be here. We especially, as Dale already said, welcome you who are visiting with us. If you have any questions about what we're doing here at College U, please ask them. We could state simply that we're trying to be a church here like the church that you read about in the pages of the New Testament. That being the case, we're striving to have Bible authority for all we do and hopefully could answer with a thus saith the Lord and a book, chapter, and verse for any questions about what we're doing and why. So if you have those questions, please ask them. But again, we're grateful that you are here. Thanks for coming. You know, joking about sin and the consequences that sin bears that's, that's a foolish thing. It's really not a laughing matter. Very simple statement. Proverbs 14, verse 9 says, Fools mock at sin. It is a foolish thing to make fun of sin and, and to joke about the consequences of it. Fools do that, the, the passage says. I think that there are uh, some immediate ramifications of joking about sin and sin's consequences. First of all, it causes people to see sin as more acceptable. Think about some very terrible forms of wickedness and ungodliness. For instance, think about drunkenness. Think about fornication. Think about lying. Think about divorce. As you think about those very serious kinds of sins, do you realize 
that all of those that we just mentioned and others serve as common material for comedians to joke about? If you were to turn on, for instance, one of the late night comedy shows on TV, what are they going to be joking about? They're going to be joking about fornication, right? They're going to be joking about drunkenness. They're going to be joking about sin. They're making light of sin. Now, I want to tell you something. As they do that, the more that they joke about such things, do you realize that one of the consequences is that it makes those forms of sin seem more acceptable in the sight of people? For instance, they talk about people having unmarried sex, and they make jokes about it. What has happened in the course of the last several years, the last 20 or 30 years, what has happened as, as comedians and others have joked about fornication? What's happened? Well, fornication's become acceptable. People are not worried about that anymore. They don't see it as a dangerous thing. And so joking about sin causes people to see it as more acceptable. And another consequence of it is that it makes those of us who are trying to echo God's warnings about these dangers, it makes us seem like we're out of touch. Oh, you're just a bunch of old fogies. You're not up with the times. You're not, you're, you're not really accepting the realities of the modern world that we live in. You're just out of touch. Or maybe they would say about us, you're just a bunch of self-righteous people. You people think that you're better than everybody else. When you, when you condemn drinking, when you condemn sexual immorality, when you condemn unscriptural divorce and remarriage, well, you just think you're better than everybody else. You've got this holier-than-thou attitude, and they just dismiss us when we're trying to voice the warnings that are found in the Word of God. And so I hope that you agree with what the Bible plainly says, that joking about sin and its consequences is a foolish thing. But i got to tell you, having made those observations, we would also go on to say that this is not a new thing. Men joking about sin, they always have, and they always will, mock about sin and impending judgment. I want to take you back to that text that Monty read for us just a few minutes ago from Second Peter chapter 3. And it even talks about those who would belittle or make fun of the idea of impending judgment. In 2 Peter chapter 3, we won't be able to read all the verses, but we've got just some excerpts here on this screen. There shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. So these scoffers say, Oh, you say God's going to judge? Well, what? Where's the sign of that? We don't see any indication that that's going to happen. He goes on to say, For this they willingly are ignorant of, that the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. In other words, the people who are joking about the idea that God's going to punish sin, they're not paying attention to what history proves. History proves that God does punish sinners. The great flood in the days of Noah is certainly evidence of the fact that God ultimately punishes sinners. He says they're willingly ignorant that the world that then was was overflowed with water and perished. Be not ignorant of this one thing, he goes on to say, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years in one day. Don't try to hem God in with your timetable. Uh, God's working on his own time frame. But he says the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. 
And so here, Peter suggests the fact that people have always scoffed at the idea of judgment, that sin bears a consequence. But obviously, based upon God's historic dealing with men, we know that it is true. All right, so joking about sin and its consequences, joking about the warnings that are found in the Word of God, that's a terrible thing. And as we look around and we see the general society in which we live, we would say, certainly people are doing that. People are really doing that. But what about us? What about us? I'd like to now turn to some potential applications for us, for us as the people of God. Is it possible? Now, we're not, we're not like those late night comedians who are joking about sexual immorality and drunkenness and so forth, but is it possible that we also take too lightly some of the warnings that are found in the Word of God? We wouldn't necessarily be like the people who joke about horrible forms of immorality and ungodliness, but what about some of those warnings in the Scriptures that maybe we're not taking seriously enough? Let me suggest some. For instance, are we taking too lightly the warnings about overestimating our own spiritual strength uh, with, with expressions like, it just couldn't happen to me, uh, I'm not worried about that in my case. Maybe we are overstating our spiritual strength, and the Bible warns us against that. Or what about the Christian who says, I can do that and it doesn't bother me. Uh, For instance, I can go watch some movies that I know have have a rating that says I shouldn't be watching them. You know, the the current PG-13 movies are certainly the equivalent of R-rated movies a decade ago. I mean, it's a sliding scale, right? But I can watch those kind of things. And maybe the movie I'm watching, maybe it says PG-13 now. Maybe it would have used to say, or, or maybe I'm watching an R-rated movie now. But you know, I can handle that. I, I, I'm not in any danger of that. It, it doesn't bother me. What are you doing there? Are you ignoring the warning about overestimating your own spiritual strength? Is, you really believe that watching those kind of things won't bother you? And that's just one example. We perhaps could cite many others. We need to be warned uh, we need to understand that we could fall. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, you remember the familiar statement. The apostle had just been recounting God's dealings with the Israelites and how frequently they had fallen. But he says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Just as those people of Israel in the Old Testament frequently fell from faithfulness to God, we can fall. And no one is immune. All are susceptible And we should take that warning to heart. Don't joke about or take too lightly the warnings about overestimating your own spiritual strength. Are we taking too lightly the warning that God gives us about letting Him be crowded out of our lives? You know, we talk about this quite a bit. Certainly, we are all busy. There are a lot of things demanding our attention. Most of you who are here this morning have a very busy, packed full schedule each week. We have work and we have our leisure time activities that we like to engage in. And and really, we could honestly fill up every day with things to do. But we have the idea, I I can do it. I, I can keep up all of that busy schedule. I can keep it up and I can keep it all in perspective. There's no danger 
that I'll forget about God or I'll let all these things crowd God out of my life. But the fact of the matter is that we're taking that warning too lightly. I think that we are particularly susceptible to having God crowded out of our life with all the other things that we're trying to get done. Do you remember in the parable of the sower? As Jesus was explaining that in Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, He spoke of some that hear the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. What, what was it that made this individual unfruitful? No, it was, it was a fellow who was converted. He had become a disciple of the Lord, a child of God, and yet he became unfruitful. What was it? The care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. You don't think we're susceptible to that? You don't think that's a danger for us? Are you taking too lightly the warning that that could cause us to become unfruitful in the service of the Lord? Be careful about that. I think it's a real possibility. What about taking too lightly the warning about drifting away? Have you ever known anybody that stopped serving the Lord, that left his church and became unfaithful? Well, sadly, we've all known that, right? Let me ask you, of those that you know who have fallen away, how many just stopped all at once? Just, they just quit instantly. You know, one day they were worshiping faithfully, and suddenly they were there no more and never came back again, and they were just gone. How many of those have you known? Well, maybe some. Maybe sometimes that happens. I think I've known of some instances like that, but not many. I'll tell you what happens far more frequently. Far more frequently, people just slip away. Gradually, slowly, they become less involved. Slowly, over a period of time, it seems to mean less and less to them. And then after some while, as they've been slowly declining in their spiritual activities of service to God, over a period of time, they just finally quit. Slipping away, drifting away. Someone says again, that, that couldn't happen to me. Why? I've gone to church all of my life. There's no way that I could ever let a thing like that happen. Uh, yes, it is true maybe that I've let some things come between me and my service to the Lord. And, and I've neglected some assemblies and I've let some things come between me and, and being at all of the assemblies. But I would never leave the Lord. Uh, well, now i got to admit, I just haven't had time to devote to Bible study lately. I haven't been getting that done. And, and if I had to be absolutely honest with you, I haven't spent much time in prayer. In fact, I can't really remember the last time during a weekday when I stopped and took some time to pray to God. But I'm not, I'm not drifting away. It, it wouldn't happen to me. I couldn't drift away like that. Well... You better think again, because certainly all of those kind of things are warning signs. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 says, For this reason we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Pay attention. It's a dangerous thing. It's very possible for us to drift spiritually. The imagery here might be like that of a boat. Have you ever, and many of you have had the experience of being in a boat, maybe being in a boat in a body of water where there's some current maybe a river or maybe even in a lake when the wind is blowing strongly from one direction. And maybe you're not paying close attention to where you are. And suddenly when you open up your eyes and look around, you realize that you've gone a long way from where you were originally. Without noticing, you can end up far away from where you started. 
And that's what we're talking about here spiritually. You can drift away. And so don't take too lightly that warning. Pay attention. Keep your eyes open. And in particular, be perceptive to your own spiritual condition. You know yourself better than anyone else with the exception of God. God knows you better than you know yourself. But with the exception of God, you understand, if you'll be honest, you can evaluate yourself. Pay attention. Be warned about drifting away. Are we taking too lightly the warning about letting sin harden our hearts? You know, uh, when we hear the idea of someone's heart being hearted, we, we might think that this only refers to very immoral, ungodly people who let their hearts grow hardened. For instance, of course, that kind of expression is used about Pharaoh in the Old Testament. When Moses came to Pharaoh, his heart was hardened. And so that's talking about people like that. I mean, that's talking about people like Pharaoh. That's not talking about me. There's no danger that I could grow hardened by sin, is there? Well, of course there is. In fact, the warning about it is directed toward those who are Christians. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. That's a statement not made to people of the world. That's a statement made to the people of God. It's easy to begin to think that maybe what I'm doing, although I shouldn't do it, Maybe I begin to think it's really not all that bad. My, my sin, my weakness is not so bad. And maybe I even begin to justify it in my own heart and mind as being okay. Uh, I believe that we see signs of that sometimes. For instance, when we hear Christians who uh, are arguing in favor of things like social drinking or smoking or using tobacco, as we, move, as we move into the warmer months of the year, as we begin to hear Christians making arguments in defense of immodest apparel, what's happening here? I think what we're seeing is people who have allowed their hearts to be hardened through what? The deceitfulness of sin. And so in all of those things, maybe it's just an indication that we've taken too lightly the very explicit warning about letting sin harden our hearts. Are we taking too lightly the warning about the danger of being around the wrong kind of people? Uh, I, I imagine that you know the verse that we're going to use when we talk about the warning of wrong associates. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Sure, bad company corrupts good morals. Who could argue that? But I'm not, I'm not in any danger. I'm strong enough to handle it. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm around some friends on a pretty regular basis and they do stuff that's wrong. I don't, I don't deny it. But uh, I won't let them drag me down. There's not any chance that they could cause me to do what they're doing. Is that right? Are you sure about that? How many people have thought this and fallen? How many have thought that they could handle being around the immoral influences of worldly people without being adversely affected by it, and they were wrong, and they were affected by it, and they fell? Don't be deceived. Do you see that? Don't be deceived. There's a possibility you could be deceived into thinking otherwise. The truth of the matter is, bad company corrupts good morals. We're talking about joking 
about the warnings. We're talking about the warnings that are found in God's Word. The people of the world, we know they joke about sin, but are we joking about the warnings and not taking them to heart as we should? For instance, are we taking too lightly the warnings about false teaching and false teachers? There are some folks, and even some of our own brethren, who say that we, we're making way too much of this. We're, we're stressing it far too much. Too much emphasis is put upon doctrinal things and emphasizing that we stand firmly on the truth of God. We've just been talking about that too much. And again, some of our own brethren say this sort of thing. What we need, these people argue, is more positive lessons. More lessons along the lines of things that make us feel good. I want to tell you, I'm all in favor of positive preaching, and I think everybody here would agree. We do need those lessons that make us feel good uh, and give us comfort and consolation and assurance in the forgiveness of God. But I want to tell you, you can never have too much emphasis on the importance of doctrinal truth and emphasis on the warnings about false teachers and what they can do if they convince us to do what is not true to the Word of God. We need both, obviously. But certainly, uh, there are some, I think, who are taking too lightly the warnings about false teachers. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. There's the warning. You don't give warnings where there are no dangers. I, I, I think that's a point we need to emphasize in the course of this discussion this morning. If you're driving down the road and you see one of those warning signs, one of those yellow warning signs, and it says that there's a sharp curve ahead, but you keep going and the road is just as straight as a die. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't wiggle once. But that sign back there said there was a sharp curve ahead. That doesn't make sense. They won't put a sign that says there's a sharp curve ahead when the road is dead straight. <clears throat> it wouldn't make sense, would it, to put that sign there unless the danger lie ahead. There is a sharp curve ahead. Well, the same thing is true of all these warnings that we are talking about uh, from God. He warns us. Therefore, the danger is real. And in regards to our point we're making right here, the warning about many false prophets going out into the world is a real one. This is just one verse. There are many other passages that give us the same warning. There are false teachers. And false teachers can lead us astray and cause us to be lost. We cannot overemphasize the importance of doctrinal truth. And we dare not take too lightly the warning about false teachers. Finally, one more example. And I, my guess is that you could probably expand that list of the warnings that are in the Word of God for us, who are the children of God. But one more that I would just comment about, and that is the effect of unruly church members. Some churches never discipline unfaithful Christians. And I know that some of you here have been in congregations like that because you've told me so. Congregations where they never address those who are unfaithful to the Lord. That's just too harsh, people say. It's, it's an unloving thing to do, they argue. Of course, in arguing that, they're not arguing against men, they're arguing against God. When they say it's too harsh and unloving, they're saying that God is too harsh and unloving. Uh, so that argument just doesn't stand. But of course, the long-term results of allowing those kind of people to, be, to remain undisciplined is that devastation results. And churches have been absolutely torn apart 
as a result of the fact, not dealing with sinful members within their ranks. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, and you remember that text, we've studied it before. 1 Corinthians 5 is where Paul was telling the church at Corinth they needed to discipline an unfaithful member that they had tolerated and allowed to continue in their midst. And so they needed to deal with him for his sake, but they also needed to deal with him for their own sake because he said in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 6, Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. You leave that influence there, and it will have an impact, and it will influence others. And pretty soon the whole church will be infected by that. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And so we've talked about some examples of warnings that are in the Word of God and the danger that we might be taking them too lightly. Let's not do that. Let's accept those warnings for what they're, what they're there for. They're there to express a danger and to tell us that we need to pay attention. Uh, when God warns us, we don't, don't be like the scoffers who joke about sin. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25, it says, See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less shall we escape who turn away from him who warns us from heaven. Here the Hebrew writer is referring to the Israelites of old. They didn't pay attention to their warnings. Look at, look at what happened to them when they didn't heed. He says here, look what happened to them when they didn't heed the warnings that Moses gave them. What do you suppose will be the case with us if we ignore the warnings that come directly from the Lord? Pay attention to the warnings. Don't take them too lightly. Appreciate your good attention to what we've had to say. As we bring the lesson to a close, we're prepared to sing a song of invitation. We want to ask you all to think about your relationship with God. Our lesson has been addressed this morning to those of us who are Christians, so let me address you here first by way of invitation. If you're a Christian, but you've not been faithfully serving your God, you've allowed other things to come between you and doing what's right, Maybe you haven't paid careful enough attention to the warnings, that, the kind of warnings that we've been talking about in our lesson this morning. If that's the case, we urge you to repent of that, come back in confession and prayer. We can pray with you and for you, and you can be right with God once more. If that's your situation, let us help. If you're not yet a Christian, we hope you'll make that decision without delay. Upon hearing the truth, believe it, repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus, and be baptized for the remission of sins. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song. Oh, it's hard, 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 it